Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, currently in uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, moving our way to Florida, hopefully. Um, I know you've been following asking our repairs will be done Friday, and uh, the following week we'll get back underway for St. Augustine. That is, that is what we're doing on our floating home. I have a really great interview this week. I'm looking forward to talking with Cindy Sear. She's a marketing strategist, a consultant, and direct response copywriter. Everything I love about this business. Her client list includes Zig Ziglar, one of my all-time heroes, who I got to I got to meet him before he died, which was a good check mark. No BS Inner Circle, GKIC. Of course, I'm from that planet, Planet Dan, for a long time. Advantage, uh, Forbes Books, AWAI, which is the American Writers and Artists Incorporated, and others. Hers, her clients have experienced results that include seven-figure per year assets, increased leads, improved retention rates, doubled and tripled conversions, and increased revenue, just to name a few cool things in business. Cindy co-authored the third edition of the No BS Marketing to the Affluent book, one of um, Dan Kennedy's amazing books. She spent the past seven years crisscrossing the country to support her singer, songwriter, actor, son, Dalton Sear, <laughs> enjoys extensive traveling and getting outdoors daily to bike, walk, and hike. And she lives in Jacksonville, Florida, so we might just honk the horn as we go by. Cindy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Man, I've been on Planet Dan for a long time, as I, as I know you have, and I can't believe this is the first time we're actually just communicating. Yep. Well, yeah, it's a big planet, so. <laughs> I know, and I've, I've, you know, I've, I've, uh, I'm trying to think. I think it was like 2007 or eight when I sort of got involved, uh, thanks to Mike Capuzzi, who used to run the uh, Philadelphia chapter of um, the Glazer Kennedy, and um, and then I don't know when you started writing, but I, I mean, for years I was reading. You used to do interviews for them in the uh, monthly newsletter. Yeah, still doing them. Oh, is that right? Cool. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, interestingly, my Capuzzi is the one that introduced me into that world also. How was that? How did that come about? So I went to a Dan Kennedy, um, I mean, I guess Dan kind of, he introduced me really, but AWAI is where I learned how to be a copywriter. And they had um, a conference called the Business of Copywriting that Dan put on. Okay. In conjunction with them, but it was really his thing. It was like a full two-day or three-day seminar. And Mike Capuzzi was at that event, and he had a booth for his copy doodles. And um, so I got to talking with him, and I did some work for Mike. And then when, uh, I guess when Bill Glazer sold mm -hmm. to, you know, when he sold the business, Mike recommended that I be one of their freelance copywriters. So I was like one of the first freelance people that was brought in during that transition. And oh, then cool. I've written for them every month since. That is so all the awesome. transitions. <laughs> now I know Dan was big, um, is or was big in that whole um, AWAI. And I remember he did a whole thing. I think it was about three or four years ago. I don't know. He probably does several events, but I remember when three or four years ago, they actually made a course about, it. I think I bought the recordings. Um, 
So I don't know if that's the event you were talking about, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's quite the legend. And I, as I mentioned, I got to meet, um, I got to meet uh, Zig Ziglar at a uh, Carrie Wilkerson event way back. Um, the time is really going by, I guess, but uh, well, that's so interesting. Yeah. Mike yeah. and I, were, we were just together. Um, he was down on our boat a couple of times when we were up in Maryland before we, before we left, we've been friends for a long time. We, we met at a local chamber of commerce event of all things. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were really like, we were about uh, five miles from each other. We became really close and have just been friends for a long, long time. So, wow. Talk about a small world. Yep. So, so Cindy, one of my favorite things in marketing and just business building is the power of the written word. Um, you know, I love copywriting. Um, of course, I read all of Dan's books, you know, um, copywriting books. And, you know, I just learned so much. He's, he's probably my, my, certainly my greatest mentor to this day. But um, what led you to copywriting and when did you start your business? So I always loved writing. And it was something I, when I, as a child, I filled up like notebooks, you know, of writing and thought that's what I wanted to do. And in junior high, we had like a, um, it was a club that we could, it was like help you explore, you know, different opportunities. And so the things they took me to was like a newspaper, like you could be a newspaper reporter, or you could go and you could be, um, you know, a journalist on TV. And, or the third option was like be an author. And to be honest, um, neither, none of those really ap appealed to me. Well, the author appeared, appealed to me, but I thought it was out of my reach. I didn't have anyone that really said, yeah, you can do this. And I just didn't have the confidence. And so I kind of gave up on that dream until many years later. And I was in um, sales and advertising and I ran across, I started really questioning because I was selling these ads. Um, and I was like, what makes one ad work better than another? And I really wanted to, to know this. And my, my boss kept saying, oh, it's just, you know, branding and all this stuff. And I'm like, these are little businesses, you know, it's a lot of money to put an ad in here. I want to make sure it works. And if they, I can make it work, then they're going to buy more from me. So I started kind of going down this path of trying to find out what would make an ad work better. And that's when I discovered what a copywriter was. And, um, so I found AWAI and uh, I thought this, this looks pretty interesting to me. And so I bought their course. They have a, a course that teaches you how to be a copywriter and how to, you know, how to make six figures of copywriting. And so I started doing this and pretty quick after I was actually got into that, my sister um, who was really, really close to was diagnosed with cancer and um, it was, very unexpected. She, it was, she was diagnosed with fourth stage colon cancer that had metastasized mm. to her liver. It was inoperable. And so she was, you know, going through um, treatment, but it was very, very aggressive. And um, I asked for time off. I didn't have a lot of time off at this job. And so I asked for some time off and um, you know, I could, I could get like a couple days. I went, you know, and saw her, for like two days or something, but I knew when it was, the treatment wasn't working, I wanted to spend more time with her. Right. And so I, I had it all worked out. I mean, I was in sales. I could really do it remotely. I had, you know, email phone calls. It was the majority of what I did. And um, I did go and do some, you know, where I went outside and did calls that way, 
but I had people that could help me. You know, I had my coworkers were like, if there's somebody you need to call on or you need to pick up a check or drop something off, we, we will do that for you. I went to uh, HR and I asked them and they said, oh, well, she doesn't fall under the Family Leave Act, so you can't get time off that way. But if you can arrange it with your boss, then you can have that time off. You know, you can, because I was like, I'll do unpaid leave. I don't care or I'll work remotely, whatever I need to do. And so I went to my boss and I proposed this whole thing. I had it all arranged. And um, I was like, just even a few days, just, you know, if I could just go and spend like five days with her or something. And my boss said no. And um, that really was a motivating thing and it has never left me. Oh, I guess um, so. That's horrible. Yeah, it was. I never. She, she was. Um, she was like very. Oh, it's going to be okay because she had known somebody in her life that had, you know, had been diagnosed with cancer, and so she just figured that. I guess if I prayed hard enough, that that's what would happen, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I totally believe in prayer. However, I just don't think that was the right thing. And, um, so when my, my sister, uh, she got bad pretty quickly and I got a call that she was unresponsive. Um, like incoherent, they had taken her into the hospital and I just was like, I don't care. And I got on this, um, you know, plane and went to her and, uh, I was like, I don't care if I lose my job. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I did get there before she passed away, but she couldn't, talk to me you know was, she she sat up um tried to sit up when I came in the room I was like hey Sue I'm here and um she tried to sit up and you know say something and it was just like babble and they quickly just like pushed me away and sedated her and that was the last time she ever opened her eyes mm. so um prior to that though when they, my boss said no you can't go I was like okay, how can I speed up this process so that I can quit my job? And so even though I was only, I, I literally had only signed up for this course, the AWAI course, maybe a couple weeks before I found out that she had cancer. It was, you know, it was very right in that ballpark. I don't remember exactly the date, but it was really close. And immediately, um, there were some different things that came up, you know, like some coaching things and, one, I don't know if, do you know Matt Fury? I know he's from sure. the, yep. the NBS world. Um, so he, in conjunction with AWI, was also doing a course um, on email copywriting. And I thought, I could do that. I mean, they're not very long. I already write emails for my job. <laughs> <laughs> I could do this, you know? And so I went, to, I took my tax refund and I invested in this course to go, you know, do that. And you know, the biggest thing for me with that, like I learned a lot about how to do it, but I think the number one thing about going there was really gaining the confidence that I could do this because I could see that there was other people doing it. There was real people. And, and also just the, I think when you're in the room with somebody who has done it and they're giving you encouragement and they're, they're telling you do this, do that. There's, this is my process here. Go do it it's like you get that confidence. And if you just go and act on it right away, then it really will speed up your process. So um, 
that was a huge thing for me. And I did, I went back and I was like, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a customer. And, um, and I did, I got a customer like right away. Like then, you know, so you, you started getting customers while you're still working, yeah. right? I didn't even know what I was doing yet. I didn't, I honestly <laughs> did not know what I was doing. Um, and then, um, there were some other things like it was getting into a coaching program that, you know, could help speed up my process. I just think coaching is such a smart idea. Yeah. Um, it just always speeds up the process and it really, really did that for me too. So, um, when my sister, she, from the time she was diagnosed to the time she died was about uh, four months and, um, I was able to quit my job, uh, about, five months into my journey of, so it was about a month after she passed away, I was able to quit my job and do copywriting full time. And honestly, I didn't know a hundred percent what I was doing all the time. Um, but I, my first year, and this isn't going to sound like huge money, but I made $54,000 my first year. Wow. And within, um, and then I went to the Dan Kennedy, the business of copywriting. I learned the business side of it and that made my income jump. And I, you know, became a six figure copywriter. And now, when you quit your job, Cindy, um, did you, had you already replaced that income or did it get to be a point where you had too many customers and you had to quit the job to focus on them and then income caught up or. I had, I had um, probably, well, I had clients paying clients at that point. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I have income or I have enough income that I felt comfortable that I could quit. Wow. Cause that's always a, it's always like the line. Cause I remember in my first business and you know, I, I need to keep working part-time at four teenagers that were hungry. And, but yet I knew I couldn't grow anymore unless I had more time. So it's like, you always, sometimes you have to actually take the leap and quit <laughs> to keep yeah. growing, but that's also a, a really good incentive. Um, I love the entrepreneurial story. I want to get to some questions specifically on copywriting. What do you see? Because you've been doing this now. For, how long have you been doing this full time? Oh, since uh, 2007. Oh, wow. Good for you. So what do you, what do you think, in, especially in the, you know, because, you know, a lot like you, my clients are entrepreneurs, you know, real small business owners. Um, what's the biggest thing that, you know, when you take on a client, if they've been doing it themselves, I mean, I, I think people, by and large, this probably sounds horrible the way I'm going to say it, but it's it's my 13th call today, so yeah. you'll forgive me. People write crappy headlines. They just get all sloppy. There's there's no call to action. There's no curiosity and things like that. What's the what's the thing that you fix the most for when you take over copywriting for a, an ongoing business? You know, one of the biggest things, honestly, that that happens is that. Um, they don't have a process for it. They kind of just, they don't understand the process of what should be there. There's a, there is a formula for copywriting. There is a science to it, the order that things should be in. And um, they just try to put whatever up there and they think it sounds good. And they ask their friends or people that aren't qualified to really tell them um, if it's any good or not. Um, and so their stuff is not in the right order you know, they'll put the price up front or they'll, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that people do, you know, or they try to, I, the other thing I, I think I see a lot is that people really struggle with price. Yes. And value. Yeah. And really showing the value of what they offer. And 
I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think one is that they haven't sat down and really thought out what are the benefits that I'm off? What's the value and the worth that I am bringing to the table? Not the features and benefits, the value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one, of the greatest, one of the greatest things I learned from Dan, I thought, as it relates to um, copy and everything else, is slowing down the sale. So many people will send an email, say, hi, I'm Jim. Do you want to buy my expensive program? <laughs> you know, they go, right. wait. Instead of building up the, the trust and the value, the rapport and, and relationship. I just had a conversation about that in, um, with one of my clients because he, he's like, well, maybe I should just, I need a different audience. And I said, no, I think really what the problem is here is that you ha- you're trying to go in and sell something to somebody and one, they may not be ready for your service. Two, I mean, most people aren't. You're only going to have a small percentage that are ready to buy your, you know, unless there's certain things that that doesn't. But the entrepreneurs on this, I'm going to say the majority of people, there's a very small percentage of people that are ready to buy. Mm-hmm. And the, the second thing about that is that um, they don't even maybe know you yet. And here you're like, hey, you know, I mean, here I am, come buy from me. And they don't really know if they like you or know you or trust you or if you're an expert, really. So um, that giving the information first, having an offer where you're actually giving them information to just get them onto your list is, is really important. I think that's such a better offer to lead with than uh, and is a lot more successful and then follow up. But most people don't want to do that work. Yeah. Let me ask you to put your um, strategist slash consultant hat on when you, cause you co-authored uh, no BS marketing to the affluent, which I think is, is one of the, another brilliant strategy is that, you know, just go after the right people. Don't, don't go after the people that can't afford $10, you know, right. go after the people that have $10,000 to spend. So what's like one or two tips that you can help people kind of shift their market from always going for the cheap, easy, low hanging fruit to, more the the affluence who have money. Well, I will tell you one of the things that if you sit down and you do your money math, um, you'll you'll quickly see that you can spend, you know, less money marketing, and do more if you go after affluent. Because if you have, you know, I just did this for one another one of my clients the other day. She's like, I have these. I can do these twenty nine dollar a month clients, or I can do these two thousand dollar a month clients. I'm like. Well, put your marketing money into going after that $2,000 client because you only need, you know, seven to hit your goal or whatever. And, you know, if you need a lot more, you need hundreds to get this, <laughs> to reach it this other way. But marketing to the affluent right now, we've never seen an economy like this. I know. It, it is unprecedented affluence expansion, um, at least in America. And um, the middle income consumers, they're under a lot of pressure. They're commodity, you know, for them, they're looking for commoditizing, you know, there's like price and profit destruction. And, you know, just as an example, um, like designers, like if you are, if you were an interior designer, um, you know, you can go in Ikea and they have a design tool where you can design whole rooms in your house from the flooring to the furniture and what you hang on your walls. So middle class is swapping you out for the cheapest, easiest, most convenient, lowest price option delivered overnight, you know, free shipping, free returns, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I think you really need to think about that in 
in your strategy is go for the affluent because they are not concerned about that so much. They are looking for better quality um, service and, you know, they are looking for convenience. Um, so they're, they're looking for somebody who's going to do it for them because they don't have time because they have other things that they're, they're doing and they still want it done. So um, that's, you know, number one. Um, I think the other thing that you want to think about is um, how you talk to them and getting really super specific um, and who you're talking to. And again, I'm just going to keep that designer person in mind because it's an easy one and I'm already on that road. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it could really be an investment. It could be, um, you know, in anything and being a doctor, or a lawyer, it could really for it doesn't matter what the thing is, but being ultra specific. So you could, you're going to have people who are maybe divorced, right? They're, um, you know, they're looking to, they just divorced. They got rid of their ex-husband. Now they're going to come in and they're going to redesign their house. Um, so knowing that person and knowing what's going to be important to them, one of the first things they tell divorced women to do is to uh, redo their bedroom. So maybe that's a, point that you, you know, you're going to start with. Um, there's the empty nester, right? So the kids have moved out and now they're like, okay, now we're going to do some things to our house we wanted to do. Like maybe we're going to put, take, turn one of the rooms into a movie room. That's my husband and I just did that. We moved, to, turned our kid's bedroom into a movie room. Nice. Um, they're like, why didn't you do this when we were here? Because <laughs> uh, you ate too much. Yeah. But um you know, so thinking about that, there's, you know, there's the, um, the LGBTQ market. Okay. That's another very specific segment of, you know, that's affluent. There's affluent, great thing to go after. A lot of people aren't going after, um, there, you know, so you just really think I being really specific within your market, like ultra, ultra specific when you're talking and marketing to the affluent, um, because when you dial into that smaller segment of the affluent market, you can, you know, you can really talk to them and that's what they want. They don't want to be some, gen they're not a general person. They're not like, you can just talk to me like there's thousands of me. I am unique. So when you dial into that and you really lean in hard, then that is going to help you be more successful in your marketing. And it'll help you to know where you should market, what media you should use, because you'll know where they're showing up because you're saying, okay, well, where does a divorced woman show up? Right. You know, right. Or where does an empty nester show up? Um, so those are things really to think about when you're, when you're, you know, talking to your audience. Um, you know, and then you can think about going beyond that, but like, what is the moment of inspiration for that audience too? Like when, when are they first starting to think about it? And if you can get them on your list when they're first starting to think about that, um, again, like, so an empty nester, they're probably thinking about that the kids are moving out before the kids have moved out. They're thinking about it, you know, when the last one's like a junior in high school, it's becoming reality that they've got about a year left, right? Yeah. And so if you can hit somebody at that moment of inspiration and start talking to them then and have them on your list, 
that you're going to be the person that they're going to get to know, like, and trust. And when it's time to buy, boom, you're in. That's awesome. But man, I can't believe how fast the clock went, which proves that I loved our conversation. I hope I can get you back in a couple of months because I don't think I asked even half of the questions I wanted to uh, share with my audience. Can you tell people how to connect with you and, and learn more about what you do? Yeah. Um, the, the best way is just to get on my website, which is, um, I'll tell you when I named it, I thought it was really genius, but it's sincerecopywriting.com, but it's spelled like my name. So it's C-I-N-C-Y-R-C-O-P-Y-W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com. I, and I just got that. Yeah. <laughs> I just, and I don't, I, maybe I can give it to, send it to you and you can post it under, you know. Which oh, I, I'll put it on the, I, I will spell it correctly on the announcement for when this comes out, but I, yeah. I've seen your name before and I didn't, it was, it looked like a, a mouthful or a tongue twister in words. I didn't get Some it. But, people at the beginning told me, oh, you should name it this because it's your name, Sincere, and you're a writer. Yeah. That's so clever. <laughs> but, <laughs> well. All right, so they go to they go to uh, sincerecopywriting.com and yes. all your information's there. Yeah. Thank you so much. Cindy, I really hope I can get you back in a couple months. I'd, I'd love to explore copywriting in a, more detail. All right, thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. Hey, uh-huh. folks, that wraps up this very special interview with uh, Cindy Sear. Spell this C-I-N-C-Y-R, copywriting.com. Go there and connect with her. Um, by the way, uh, there's, we still have about 14 seats left for my next event, which is in Orlando. Go to dreambusinessacademy.com, dreambusinessacademy.com. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.